Hello and welcome to another edition of Sounds Like Comics, a podcast based out of Perth, Western Australia. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My guest today is Nathan Connolly. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and once again, thank you for having me on board. Today's topic, Elseworlds, the fifth annual Arrowverse crossover event featuring episodes of The Flash, Arrow and Supergirl. If you haven't watched Elseworlds but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. The crossover began with The Flash Season 5 Episode 9, continued on Arrow Season 7 Episode 9 and concluded on Supergirl Season 4 Episode 9. Did some research there, just to get the episode numbers right. The Arrowverse, it's been something that I've wanted to talk about on the show for a long time, but it's just finding that in. I don't really want to talk about any of them, Arrow, Flash, all those shows, until the end. And it seems like they're not going to end anytime soon. So I saw this crossover event as an opportunity to do like a TV event special. And knowing you watch these shows as well, Nathan, I thought you'd be the perfect guest to have on the show. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot to talk about and a lot, a lot of content to delve into. But this is not the first crossover. The yearly crossover event started with Arrow Season 2. Barry Allen was introduced in the eighth episode ahead of the debut on The Flash. The next year, the eighth episodes of the third season of Arrow and the first season of The Flash formed a two-part event known as Flash vs. Arrow. And they put a soundtrack out for that, which I've got, and it's absolutely fantastic. Just the merging of the Flash theme and the Arrow theme when they're in combat. It's something these Arrow shows do really well, the score. Mm, absolutely. A two-part event, heroes join forces between the eighth episodes of the fourth season of Arrow and the second season of The Flash was used to set up a new team-up series, Legends of Tomorrow. That's correct. And that's a show you started, but you fell behind on. I have dropped off on that in recent times, yes. Um, I Just for whatever reason, after about probably midway point of season two, I, j- I just fell away from it, but I'm still going strong with The Flash, and I still check in on Arrow. I do enjoy Legends, but it's always the last one that I get to. Mm. But it is fun having Matt Ryan on there as John Constantine. That is cool. So it's worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. Him. The Invasion crossover included The Flash, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, with the event beginning at the end of Supergirl. The four-part crossover, Crisis on Earth X, which was the first four-part, because I mentioned the Supergirl connection with Invasion. Mm-hmm. I thought initially that we were getting a four-parter with that, but it's literally like the last scene of Supergirl. Yep. And that's all they really had there. But also with Crisis on Earth X, it tied into the animated web series, Freedom Fighters, the right hmm. and they had the actor uh, Russell Tovey a British actor he reprised his role in the animated okay. web series which they did put out as a feature length movie right. on DVD and Blu-ray so with this with the plot we have three Elseworlds is a three part series in part one Barry and Oliver wake up to find they've swapped bodies but Team Flash doesn't believe them, so the two heroes travel to Smallville on Earth-38 to get help from Supergirl. It's a Freaky Friday situation. Or is it a Quantum Leap situation? Mm. Which they do talk about a couple of times. The plot thickens. You know, with Earth-38, do you think that's because Superman was created in 1938? Do you think that's where they've plucked it's that more, number it's from? It's more than likely. I, I don't think that's just coincidence. That'd be a nice little nod and wink. Because we, we do have John Wesley Shipp in this as The Flash, Barry Allen, mm-hmm. from the 90s TV series. So yep. in the show, he's from Earth-90. Mm. So I'm thinking maybe it is to do with the year. That was a nice touch, having him back as well. 
Oh man, he was one of my favourite things. But we'll get to all our favourite, and, and we can mention some things that maybe we didn't like so much. I'm sure there's there's some things. Yep. Part two of Elseworlds. Still trapped in each other's bodies, Oliver and Barry head to Gotham City with Supergirl to find out why their reality changed and cross paths with the mysterious Kate Kane, aka Batwoman. Mm-hmm. And in part three, Supergirl, The Flash, Green Arrow, and Superman face the battle of their lives. So let's just get into it. Actors, performances. We can start with Barry Allen, Oliver Queen. Yeah, their dynamic is brilliant. I think their chemistry by now is just spot on. It's just like they're firing on all cylinders and because um, they've been at this quite some time now and they, they wear their roles like a well-worn glove and they just know what they're doing and they know how to play off each other really well. So I think the chemistry between those two, those two is just spot on. And of course, we're talking about Grant Gustin and Stephen Amell. But if you're listening yep. to this show, you you know who's who. You know you know the actors. You know the characters. Absolutely. It was really interesting, wasn't it? I wasn't too sure going in. You mentioned Freaky Friday, where you know just swapping bodies. I get it. Like Elseworlds, it is the characters or the stories, you know, with a slight twist. So it does fit the title. But I just didn't know if I was going to enjoy it or not. Like all the all the things that were going to be happening around the body swap so we've got superman we've got superman in his black suit mentioned uh, 90s flash there's all these other things i was really excited about but for the most part i did enjoy the body swap and i think the best thing about it was the two of them getting a, a true insight into each other mm. whereas you know you've got the line with like oliver queen and he's saying that he thought like you know barry was just like all smiles and you know he's just he got his powers given to him and then and the flip side of that, of like Barry not realizing like what Oliver really has gone through. He has to channel some of Oliver's darkness. Yeah, which leads to you have failed this city. That which was hilarious. I was tempted to growl it, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. But mm. we've not really had that since the early seasons of Arrow, and no other character really has a catchphrase. No, and it's so popular you even see it on t-shirts. Yeah, no, that's. That's true. So this was during the Arrow episode of, of the crossover. The real Barry Allen, now Green Arrow, ch- channels his uh, Oliver's rage, menacing growl, you have failed this city, to Amazo before firing his arrow. That's right. And it just goes to show how far the Arrowverse has come because I think it was way back in season two and you had, uh, you know, you've got the island where Oliver had been mm-hmm. stranded yep. and there was a ship there and it was called Amazo. And that was like you know a nod to the that comic fans. It was a fans. very nice, subtle nod. It was, but that's what we—that's all we'd have really gotten at that time. Mm. Five seasons later, here we are. We're getting Amazo. Yeah. He's taking on all the it's, powers of the heroes. And it's truly long-form storytelling to be able to reference these things. It is, and I always like how, you know, people complain about Hawkeye in the Avengers movies. Yeah. But like Green Arrow here. Is is fighting alongside you know a god like Superman, you got Supergirl, yep. and and it's good that this still it has a purpose. Yeah, like he's integral for them taking down Amazo, and it was really well put together the way they their fight was choreographed, and you know the good guys won. So with the costumes, I thought it was pretty funny when you've to got the swap, the swap, but you've got so it's Barry as Oliver, and he's looking at the Arrow costume, and he's like. Do I need help putting this on? Like how you know? Cause, I mean, it's something he's probably never had to think That's about right, before. How through, does Green Arrow get dressed to him? Yeah. And that it, oh man, in the opening for the Arrow episode, and you've got Grant Gustin doing the Stephen Amell opening. Yep. Oh man, I thought that was brilliant. 
how he's doing that thing where he ratchets himself up on the um salmon ladder yep yep that was really funny and you know what there's there's a bit in it that's pretty shocking it's the first part of the crossover and it's you've got Oliver as Barry he wakes up in bed and then you see their apartment and there's that picture frame where they superimpose Stephen Amell's head over Grant Gustin but the head's a little bit too big for the body <laughs> oh man that's and it did a close up of that picture as well it's him and Iris together that's crazy yeah that didn't look too good but in the Arrow one where they put Gustin instead of Amell it worked really well I mm. thought it was pretty odd seeing uh, just say the names I think just use the accent because it's too confusing yep. when you've got Grant Gustin he lifts up his top and he's got Amel's scars. Yeah, that was um, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. It was nice to also see uh, Green Arrow sporting some proper facial hair. Been waiting a while to see that. It was weird seeing Amel with facial hair underneath the flash. Underneath the flash cowl. Yeah, absolutely. It was quite let's, jarring, but it worked. Let's talk costumes then. Uh, what I will say with Amel as Flash compared to Gustin, I think Amel is a lot more recognisable under the cowl. Oh yeah, obviously. Whereas with Gustin, I, I don't know. I think he. Whether it's because he's got a thinner face, I don't know what mm. it is, but he's I think got, the cowl hides his, yeah, his face more. Yeah, he's got like an everyman kind of face, and you could, he could just be someone who gets lost in the crowd, but you look at Amel, uh, Stephen Amel, and you know who he is. He's very chiseled and very defined, and you just you just know that it's him, and he could be easily recognisable. So what do you think to him in the Flash costume, then? I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really good. It, it, I would go with hilarious. Did you get used to it though? Like by the end, did you th- admittedly, yes. By the end yeah. of the of the end of the trilogy, I um I did kind of get used to it and settle in a bit more. But um, it was a, it was a welcome kind of comedic distraction, I suppose. Do you think with Gustin, he was wearing? It didn't look as though he was wearing a fitted arrow suit. It looked yeah. like he was wearing MLs because it was it was quite wide, wasn't it? Mm, a little, it looked a little loose on him. But for the most part. It, it worked. It worked. It worked. Yeah. And there, there are no major complaints about that. It did what it was supposed to do. We've got Ruby Rose as Batwoman. That was amazing. That was genius. Man, it was so good. Like, it was so good seeing Batwoman, but Gotham City and how they explained it as well. Mm. Like, in this world that we've spent seven seasons, yep. Batman has been a myth. Yeah. But I see, I think that they, they reference that Bruce is not in Gotham at the time. And I think, this is purely my own kind of speculation here, but I think that that's because Bruce is away training to become the Batman. He's probably in like Nanda Pabat or something like oh, that. But, no, but he was Batman. Because remember, both Batman and Bruce Wayne left the city three years ago. Mm-hmm. Neither of them have been seen. Okay. Something drove him out. And it was, Kate Kane was saying it was really hard for him, but in the end, he had to leave. Right. So he has been there, he's been active, and I'm assuming it's after he left, that's when Kane became Batwoman. Right. But Batman very much had been there. You know, there's a scene in in part two where they're in Arkham Asylum, uh, outside the Riddler's cell. Yep. It makes it says something like, what's grey and blue and red all over? It's something like that. Mm. Which is potentially telling us that in the Arrowverse, it's like the classic Neil Adams Batman costume. Ah, gotcha. Which is pretty cool. That is pretty because rad. we've got that nowhere and else. If you weren't eagle-eyed, you would not have caught that reference. Yeah, I, I was looking at everything. Like when you're seeing all the names on the cells, so we've got Cobblepot, uh, yeah. Pamela Isley. You, you even see Mark Guggenheim's name on one of them. He's one of the series writers. That's right, and he was yeah he contributed to the story mm-hmm. for the crossover, didn't he? And he was one of the people that started Arrow mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, it was good seeing his name. I'm assuming this is the same Mark Guggenheim who currently writes X Men comics over at Marvel. Yeah, that's yep. correct. Yep. There's a scene where Supergirl flies down the halls of Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. 
And as I'm watching that, I'm thinking, this is amazing. I never knew I wanted to see this. Mm. But as it's happening in front of me, it's sort of like, it's just, you know, sometimes when you'll see something and you yep. didn't know you wanted to see it until that moment. Yeah. Because it's just so trippy. Like Because we've seen Gotham in the TV series, mm. we've got the in the movies. Mer- various depictions of Gotham. But we've never had Supergirl. And, and to have it in live action as well. Mm. No, it was pretty... And pretty I think, spectacular. I think Batwoman was always going to be a massive talking point coming into this because obviously it's no surprise that she's going to be getting her own um, her own spin-off series next year. I mean, I definitely thought that because I was sure that that had been spoken about. But on the back of this crossover, people are saying, oh, well, hopefully now they do a crossover or do their, their own series because of how good she was. I think she will. I think that was the plan. I think the, the big wigs at, I hope at, at that Warners happens. and DC were talking about doing this. I hope that happens. I think the costume is just pitch perfect oh it's bang on it's, it's, it's bang comics, on comics accurate what I would hope though if you know for the series to happen is to change the wig yeah because I think it looks too much like a wig and, well, I mean, and that's we the know point. that's the point though you... no the point is that she's got red hair yeah that's, in the, that's com- the point in the comics her red hair is a wig it, is, like a, it is a wig but it's not drawn to look like a wig in the comics mm. I guess it's just drawn to look like hair yeah. but this is the whole thing it's part of her disguise what mm. I'm saying is that in this crossover, under certain lighting, you can see that it is a wig. Mm. And if you're Kate Kane and you've got the disguise, just like in the comics... You need to be convincing. You would have real hair. And, you know, mm. she's rich. Yeah. She can pay for night, you know, real-looking A wig looks hair. real. So my, my hope would be, I think the costume is pitch perfect, and at distances, the hair looks great. But when you've got close-ups under so. certain lightings, mm. it just looks like she's bought it like, she cheap at a fancy dress shop. She completely, she completely sold me, though. She's badass. Right, she she really she really is good, and what I like as well because when you see it as Kate Kane, like you, I do get the impression from Ruby Rose that that she's capable. She'd be great with the stunt work, but mm. at the same time, because her frame is so slight, mm. you wouldn't assume she was Batwoman. I, I which I really ha- like. It's funny you should say that because I did actually have that thought when watching it. When you see her just out of the costume, you just think she's kind of slender, like you know. And then when you see her in the costume, she does bulk up a little bit, or at least the costume gives her that added weight, and she looks like she's supposed to, to look in, or p- portrayed in the comics. So we're talking about how you've got Grant Gustin wearing a domino mask. Mm. He looks like Grant Gustin. Mm. You've got uh, Amel wearing the flash cowl. It looks like Amel. Mm. When Ruby Rose is Batwoman, to me, does not look like Ruby Rose. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I mean, even if you look at all the Batmen, you know who's under there. Yeah. Like Christian Bale, you can see that's his Michael mouth. Michael Keaton. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's very distinct. So whether the, the red lipstick is a distraction as well, I don't know. But like when she's got that costume on, like if you told me that was a stunt woman, I'd have believed it. Yeah. Ruby Rose Maybe never that's... wore the cowl. She only played Kate Kane. I yeah. would buy it. She looks that different. I do agree with that. Maybe that's something they need to address uh, moving forward. Should she actually go ahead, go on to get her own show? So tonally, this show is a bit up and down because mm. when we've got, let's just go with what you said, the Freaky Friday of it all. It is very silly. You've got the Arrowverse, like plucky, mm. like fun music. But the, the Gotham episode part two is 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 darker and it is so perfectly fitting for that character Mm. and i think what needs to be it does but i think i can i can honestly say part two is my favorite of the three parts yeah i'll go with that and whether it's the novelty of seeing gotham we get batwoman in folders aspects of the of part one that i really like Mm -hmm. and and i'll i'll speak to it later what i really you know i like in that first part the third part is my least favorite i would say but still mm. enjoyable as a complete package. Yeah. 
But tonally, I was liking what we were getting to. If we are to get a Batwoman series, yeah, I am. I'm all in. All oh, me too. I'm. I'm invested. I'm. I'm all in. The effects. Now, this is not a big budget movie. This is TV. They usually put a little bit of extra cash towards the crossovers. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, they pulled it off. Yeah. In you... a, in a lot of these shows, and you see it a lot with the Flash, like mainly when he's running, it looks like. A computer animated character. Yeah. But I'm okay with it. Mm. I mean, how because, else are you supposed to do it? You know? Well, there would be ways of. There would be, maybe. I mean, they did it differently back in the 90s with John Wesley's ship. You know, they had the background moving behind him. What I've always said about these shows is I would rather them reach for the sky and miss and play it safe. Yeah. So they always go big, and I, I can say they don't always pull it off. I'm not going to be the only one thinking this. But I, I love the fact that they try, and even when it's not always looking great, I enjoy it. That's fair, Yeah, that's a fair point to make. But when you've got Superman, and you've got the big bad in this crossover, I should mention, uh, John Deegan, I think he's also known as mm-hmm. Dr. Destiny mm-hmm. in the comics, when he is Superman dressed in black, we get to first see him at the end of part two, and then he's the black big Superman. threat. Yeah, he's a big. I thought that was cool. I, I, the darkness you mentioned in season, in, sorry, in episode two, leaches over into the beginning or midway point of episode three, and before the tone lightens up again. So I kind of like that darkness. Kind of spills over a bit, um, and it's encapsulated by the the funnier elements of the of, of the show that are around it. And it gets to the point when you got the two Superman fighting, like aerial combat, that like one's cool. in a helicopter, and that you was got, so cool. It, it was, but that's an example of what I was talking about, where at times it does look kind of hokey. Yeah, but I mean, you can you can overlook that. I mean, And I do, and I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was completely, I was along for the it's, ride. It's just like with the Man of Steel movies when, when he's fighting Zod, you know, like you, you don't care how CGI it looks because it just looks amazing on the screen. And that's it. So when you've got Deegan and Superman throwing a helicopter. I was reminded of. It's, it's really, it's really good to see. Yeah, and I was reminded of Man of Steel when they had that fight in the construction, um area with all the cranes and all the, the big uh, boilermaker beams everywhere uh, that was to me it was just like a callback to Zod vs Superman and I thought that was fantastic because they used their laser beams the music I kind of touched on it earlier so the, credited for this there is four composers Blake Neely who has been with these shows from Arrow I've noticed that he's got a co-composer mm-hmm. on later seasons I think that's just because the guy is really busy because he's, he's across all of these so as well as Nearly, we have Nathaniel Bloom, Daniel James Chan, and Sherry Chung. So I don't know who contributed what, but I'd love to know who did the Batwoman theme. Mm. I absolutely love the Batwoman theme to the point I'm going to open this episode with that theme. That would be awesome. It just works really well. It's it's moody. It it's got it's familiar to Batman, but different at the same time. You feel like it's a bit of a callback to. Um, to Batman but it also does its own thing exactly yes it, it does feel like right, this is her thing but it feels like a bat thing which yeah. is what you want she is after all well, it's part got of convey the it's got to sell it's got to convey everything that Gotham is and Gotham is dark and moody I mentioned before we started recording my wife doesn't care for these shows yeah I was astounded to learn that <laughs> but halfway through I think it was halfway through part one I shouted to her <laughs> she was in a different room you need to come here and it was the moment that Oliver and Barry head to Earth 38, home to Supergirl, and the theme from Smallville, Save Me, rings out with the Kent farm from the show coming into view. Yeah, that was cool. 
wow. I watched that scene multiple times, called her in, and she's like, oh, it's okay, I guess. But I was absolutely taken. I mean, because it, it is you're the in, farm I love from it. the show. Yeah, I love that you're enthralled. You're absolutely enamored by it, and your wife's just like, oh, that's great. I'm going back to the other room now. That's fine. That's fine. But I think that is incredible, because we did hear going into this crossover that there was going to be some nods to Smallville, but we didn't mm. know what that was what going to be. be. But the inclusion imagine, of that song... Yeah, imagine your surprise. Oh, I loved it. I had no idea it was going to happen. It was just incredible. That's awesome. That's the scene that I've watched more than any other scene yep. out of all three well, parts. Why not? I mean, it means something to you. So I mentioned part two is my favourite, and, and this this particular scene is one of my favourite things about see, the, the first part, because it's absolutely brilliant. And again, like the fact that it's the... It's the farm from the show. Yeah, that's rad. And there we're introduced to we see Clark Kent and Lois Lane for the first time, which mm. was they also drop cool. a, a massive bombshell in in um, the last episode of part three toward the end. They do, mm. yeah. They are going back to Argo, Superman and Lois because she is expecting she's having mm. a baby, or she they're is. having a baby. Yep. Um, and Supergirl's ecstatic for him. Yeah, and yeah. Superman is. Confident that the world is in capable hands with Supergirl. Yeah, he leaves so her pretty much in charge. He's going to hang up his cape for a while. Yeah. Which, you know, that's fine. I mean, I do like his Superman. Yeah. But they've explained why he's not going to be around. Because watching these shows, watching the Marvel movies, mm. it's easy to ask, well, why didn't this person just show up? Yeah. At least now we know he's got a legitimate reason. Yeah. And if she's expecting a half Kryptonian baby, under you know, that's a pretty massive son, reason. He's, he's not a good place to be. Yeah. Agreed. Just one more thing on the music. In the opening scene on Earth 90, part of the theme song from the 90s Flash series is used, which is pretty awesome. And they used that for the mid-season finales of each show before the week of Elseworlds. Yeah, that's a nice little bit of nostalgia there. So I got to watch that clip four times. <laughs> At the end of each show the week before and ahead of this. And it, yeah, it was great seeing John Wesley ship back as the Flash and for them to use that theme as well. That's pretty That's awesome. pretty spectacular. So I think they absolutely nailed it with the music. The original music for like Batwoman, the callbacks to all their individual shows, and then Smallville, the 90s theme. Loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Did we speak to some of the favourite scenes then? So talking about the 90s Flash, it was interesting when when he first turns up, everyone just assumes that it's Jay Garrick. Mm. Didn't John Wesley ship play a version of Jay Garrick? Originally, he was Henry Allen. He was in jail when, when That's the Flash right. first started. Yes. And then, I guess I did give the spoiler warning at the beginning. This is like spoilers for all, all <laughs> our shows. shows. Henry Allen dies. Mm-hmm. Well, and then they bring him back as Jay Garrick. Yes, that's right. Because mm. we were first introduced to a fake Jay Garrick, and then he came to be the real one. He had the costume from the yeah. comics. Yeah. And then so when he turns up as Barry Allen that we know from the 90s show, mm. the assumption is that that's who he is. Mm. But later on, there's the bit with Barry and he thinks it's his dad. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotion for yeah. everybody that's coming with ship even, appearance. Even that scene with Barry, the, the uh, John Wesley ship version of Barry, warning them about something from the future uh, or the past. Um, that's almost a callback to that same kind of scene in the Justice League movie between Ben, ben Affleck oh, and... That's true. And what's the name of the actor who plays Flash? Yeah, Ezra Miller. So Ezra when, Miller, when yes. he appeared. It's almost like a, a mirror of that scene, if you know what I mean. It is similar, but if, similar. if, we, if we could only have one, I'd have this one. Yeah. I'd have the, the ship version. Because I don't even know, because Snyder's no longer involved with their films, if that's Which is, even... And that's, that's, that's a shame. To, that's, to me, that's a genuine tragedy. But that's something we can get into another time. 
talked about Batwoman. I think we talked about Batwoman a lot, actually. Yeah, maybe more than Flash and, well, she was and the, Arrow. I mean, come on, she was the selling point of this whole trilogy, this whole three-parter. But her entrance, when she drops right into the escaping vehicle, and inside that you've got Psycho Pirate, which is your first tip of the hand to Crisis Infinite Earths, which we do get... Mm-hmm. Told at the end, it's coming next year. Yep. So Psycho Pirate, he's in this, he's running around, and then Batwoman uh, crashes on the top of the car. That was my first thought. That was I, When I saw Psycho Pirate, I thought, that's Psycho Pirate. There's no other guy it's got to be. I just knew straight away. I know I'm going backwards and forwards here, but one more thing on Flash 90. Let's call him that. How awesome was it when he looked at John Diggle and he remarked that he's not wearing his ring? And it's been long rumoured that in a different Earth that John Diggle is actually John Stewart Green Lantern. Oh, wow. And in that scene, confirmed. That is awesome. That I, is what has been said in that scene. As big a fanboy as I am, I did not know how that piece of information, I did not know that. So essentially, John Diggle, who was created for this show and has since been incorporated into the comics. It's John Stewart. He Green. is Green Lantern. So we could get Diggle as, as a Green Lantern. In, in, in the future. Which it's is absolutely amazing. Not beyond the realms of possibility. I really that's tantalizing. I'd love to see that. And other nods that we get with seeing uh, Flash ninety, we had um, Justin Hartley's Green Arrow from Smallville fallen in the rubble at the beginning. We had the JSA from Smallville that Hawkman Stargirl. And I mentioned the whole thing about in this world, Batman is a myth, and it's pretty cool that you've got Emel and you know Green Arrow in his. You know, he's like puffing out his chest when he's standing next to Clark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, you know, I'm the original vigilante. You know, yeah. he's like, I'm the original. And he's like, trying to like claim his territory. Because in the Arrowverse, he always was. But thanks to this yeah. crossover, we, we've the, been told, no, you're not. Yeah. Batman was. Yeah. It's kind of like a running joke. It's a long running joke that, um, you know, Green Arrow thinks he's Batman in the Arrowverse. Like, he, he, the, the way he carries himself and how dark he is, uh, it's like he's like a second rate, a second rate Batman. Which is what Green Arrow was in the comics for the longest time. Mm. He had an Arrow Cave, an Arrow Mobile. Mm, that's very true. You know, he had all he had all those things in the Golden Era. Yeah. But you're right though. It was because I always saw it as yeah, you got like the darkness in Arrow, who would have been like TV Batman, and the light that you got from Superman before Supergirl came along. I always saw that in the Flash. Yeah. So it was as if the Flash and Green Arrow mm. were the TV. Superman yeah. and Batman. When the Green Arrow, I'm, uh, whereas the Green Arrow I'm used to from the comics is a very different character. He's much more liberal and much more conservative and political, and yeah, he's almost he's he's pretty much the the version that I imagine from the Justice League cartoons. Yeah, that that's that's who I see him to be as well. But I completely, I'm all in for this interpretation. I've mm. been from the very beginning, and if you look where Arrow started and where they are now, it's pretty incredible. Oh like, yeah, they're fully. Embrace the comics. Yeah. So when I read Green Arrow in the comics, I'm th- I'm hearing Kin Shriner's voice in my head, the guy who does the the uh, the voice in the cartoon. Nolan and Burton. Ah uh, yes. This is really heavy-handed, <laughs> but I I didn't want to spoil things for you. But I knew that you were going to be watching this crossover, and yeah. I just sent you that quote. Yeah. It is so good. So when Barry, Oliver, and Cara encounter a random street gang and a squad of Gotham City police officers. An officer radios HQ asking for backup at Nolan and, and Burton, Burton. Which, of course, is a, is a direct shout-out to... Christopher Nolan, Tim Burton. Again, heavy-handed, but I loved it. And yeah. they, they do a few others as well. Like they, like they refer to... There's a street named after Mark Wade. Uh, there's a few other like, comic people creators. in there as well. I mean, what about the 
the Jim Lee cameo. That was when amazing. We get his artwork where the artwork. you've got the Flash, his super speeds, a sketch, and that's how they know to go to Gotham in part two. And it was Jim Lee's art. Yeah, and that was uh, Stephen Amell doing the sketch as if he were the Flash. Very cool. I really liked that. That was rad. You mentioned the baby, Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. When Clark proposes to Lois, the dress she is wearing is reminiscent of Margot Kidder's dress from Superman 2, which I really liked. Okay. That's so subtlety I wouldn't have picked up on. There was a couple of Christopher Reeve Superman film nods. I mean, mm. that's a big one because she really is wearing the dress. And that promo shot they put out of them two together in the fortress, mm-hmm. it just screamed Superman 2 to me. Yeah. And there's the bit where, to stop the bad guys, you have the Flash and Kara running really fast around the world. Yeah, that's right. Well, you get Superman the movie with mm. Superman turning back time. Mm. And it looked just like that. That was really rad. That was cool. And when that was happening, their faces were starting to burn up. That's right. We've already mentioned that at the end of this crossover, we're told the next thing we're going to get is Crisis and Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. They're the two characters that don't survive that crossover. Yep. Hopefully that doesn't happen here because it, it feels like it's like foreshadowing, but these are two hit shows, like popular characters. Uh, but you have to remember that it's it's long-form storytelling. But still, I really like those characters, so hopefully they're going to be okay. But we get that scene between Oliver Queen and the Monitor. Yes. What deal do they strike? Because it wasn't them being determined and running at super speed. It was the conversation that Amel as Oliver Queen has with the Monitor. And I'm glad you touched on that, because that's honestly one of my favourite moments from the show, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting for you to reference it's that. It's a really good moment, but then then towards the end of the crossover, you've got the scene in the bar, and then Barry's talking about the future. Yep. And then Oliver, like before he like, says cheers, you know, he's got a beer each, and before he, he clinks his drink, yep. he's like, you know, it's paraphrasing, but like, you, you never know what's going to happen. Mm. And in that moment, what I take from that is that the conversation that was had between Oliver and the Monitor, he plays. knows something's going to happen to Barry. Yeah, it plays directly into that. So that's why I'm worried. Mm. I know the comic. We all know Christ and Infinite Earth, what it means. Yep. They, did, they had the big shake-up in 1985 in the books. And just that scene with how he's communicating, I just feel like something's going to happen and he knows. Yeah, and he's probably keeping his cards close to his chest. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen there? But you're right; it was it was a great a great scene. But that scene where he's speaking to the monitor, Barry, uh, no, sorry, Oliver, he, um, Amel, he says the monitor says something to the effect of, "See what happens when you when you when you yell, even you can command a god or something along those lines." Like, what happens when you raise your voice or when you yell, you can, you can even you can command a god. I thought that was fantastic. That was like that was really really good writing. It really was. And we're getting great performances. Because I think when you see an actor play one character, and that's it. Mm. Cause, and that's, oh, you know, they're really good at being that character. I think Amel's Green Arrow is fantastic. Yeah. But when he's when he's being Barry, and they're, they're realising that in part one, that they really need to lean into each other's personalities. Yeah. And then when you've got, like, Grant Gustin's being all gruff, and then you've got Amel as Barry softening a bit but he's like smiling and waving Mm. like all goofy Mm. yeah they really played each other very well yeah they had to it's it's what I like about face off yeah you know when you've got Nick Cage John Travolta but they're playing exaggerated versions of each other's characters because they're trying to act like them yeah and they're doing that here and I um, that scene though that writing was superb 
Should we talk about the Trigger Twins? Sure. So, <laughs> so part th- again, like part three, I've said it's not my favourite of of the three, but this is where things reverse more because we've got Deegan. He's got this all powerful book. It doesn't change too much, does it? <laughs> he just swaps mm. Oliver and Barry, and that's what he does. So, it seems to be like a really weird plot device. So he goes, he go, but because he gets to see the world, the universe, and he knows their identities and everything else. But he goes bigger, he makes himself Superman, yeah. but then he goes even bigger in part three and he makes the good guys bad guys and, bad and guys. vice versa. And that's when we're introduced to the the Trigger Twins. I think the best thing we get out of them, mm-hmm. you might not have known this because you don't watch Legends, but when they go to the bar and it's run by Cisco, Cisco Ramon's Ramon. criminal, well, the, the goons, bad yeah. guy version of him, yep. the bartender, his name is Gary. right? And he's from Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. So although... The legends themselves didn't appear in this, and they do mention Sarah Lance, which I liked, and that was a good exchange actually because yeah. it, it's Supergirl that's been told that Oliver slept with sisters, and she's obviously very close with her sister. That I thought was a that was a really really good thing. But Gary is there as a nod to legends, and he's a bit of a fanboy in that show, so it makes sense that in this is a fan of the Trigger Twins. Yeah, and that's probably lost on me, like you said, because I don't really watch Legends anymore. And we've got cops who we know as bad guys. So Kane Wolfman, son of Deathstroke, Malcolm Merlin, and Ricardo Diaz. Mm. So that was a that was pretty cool. And even though they are cops, I like how Oliver takes down Diaz, just like smacks him with the butt of the gun. Yeah. Because he hates Diaz because of everything he's done to Oliver in his own show during season six and seven. Yeah, just like wax the crap out of him. So all in all, I'd say the crossover was a success. I think so. It, was, it served as a really good entry point or jumping on point for people who aren't really familiar with these shows, but um, for long-time fans of these shows like, you, like yourself and me, um, they just make the stakes, they raise the stakes more and they make it more interesting and I can't wait to see what happens going forward in subsequent seasons. And across all three parts, really enjoyed it as, as a complete crossover event. Mm. And for next year to get teased for Crisis on Infinite Earths at the end, was just the perfect way to end this. Yeah. And the, we should mention The Red Skies, which if you read Crisis and Infinite Earths, is a big nod to that series as well. Yep. It really feels like we're living in a golden age of comics where we're getting great comic book movies, great comic book television, and we're spoiled for choice. And, you know, it's, it's a great time to be alive and be a comic book nerd. So you've kind of said it already, but if we're going to give this show or this crossover event a rating out of five, let's... I know how you feel about it, but let's put a number on it. See if we're going to score it out of five. It's very close to a five. I, I don't know if I want to give it an exact five, but um, I'm going to go four because that's close to five and it's better than three. Four is a great score and I think it, it is it's a solid four. Like I had so much fun with this. And, mm. and you're right, with it not being a solid five, there's, there's a lot of elements mainly from part three that bring it down for me. You do get the... You know, the impressive aerial fights with Superman versus Evil Superman. You get one person referring to Evil Superman as Bizarro, which That's was pretty cool. uh, which was pretty which was pretty great. And and it was a lot of fun. The music, Batwoman, Smallville. Uh, yeah. We get Lois Lane here. A- We're getting so much. Like this, I'd, I would say, out of all the crossovers, Invasion, Crisis on it's Earth X, and this one, yeah, this by far is the best. And so there's a lot to like about it. And then next year, hopefully, they do include the Crisis. legends. Yeah. And man, like, let's just speculate a little bit about Crisis and Infinite Earths because we've already seen here they can bring back John Wesley's ship from 1990. Mm-hmm. 
could they bring back Dean Kane as Superman from 1993? Wouldn't that just be the greatest thing? I couldn't even finish that sentence. I, that would be the best thing yeah. for me. And Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane, maybe? Oh, of course. And those two are talking about doing a revival show, like trying to bring it back in somewhere or another. Maybe this could be the perfect segue for that to happen. But do it, like bring these characters back, like, I mean, yeah, let us have legends as well, like, you know, more maybe, characters. I just thought of something, and just then, literally just then, as you explained all this, maybe, because Superman in this show, in this current continuity, as we know him, is taking his leave of absence, maybe that opens the door for someone like Dean Cain to come in and take over and be from an, from an alternate timeline, an alternate universe. I've met him. He's still in shape. Let's get him back in the costume. Yeah. Get him, get him back on the harness. Yeah, why not? Get him back in the saddle. Talking about people putting the costume back on, mm-hmm. Brandon Routh. Imagine if we get to see him as Superman again. That would be rad. In the, um, the oh, thing which is, cross- I think it was the Invasion crossover, and Supergirl looks at Ray Palmer, the Atom, yeah, and al- says, you kind of look like my cousin. Yeah, but so he's already playing the role of Ray Palmer. He is. There's probably nothing to say, but he can't be Kal-El again. But but they just like explain it away, like, hey, it's weird, you look just like Superman. And then Ray could say something like, I don't see it. You know, they could just explain yeah, it away. That's it, true. it doesn't matter because what I'm loving about Elseworlds is that it is you can tell that it's motivated by what the fans want to see. Yeah. And it, it just feels so tailored my, to the fans. Like of comics and DC TV and yeah. film. My big question, and it's probably obscure and it's probably a minor footnote or an aside, if you will, but I want to know what the hell has happened to Captain Cold? He died. Oh, right. Uh, I thought he came back as a hologram. I thought he or, like, <laughs> came back as a hologram. Well, there was okay. There was another the, version of him. The original Captain Cold, who joined the Legends, yep. he died. He sacrificed himself I remember to that. save everyone. I do remember that. We got a version of Captain Cold, but he was the good guy version yes. from Earth-X. Yes, that's right. I remember so that. So he is still around, and on occasion, he has popped up. But the original Leonard Snart that mm. joined the team with Heatwave he died. Yeah, I know that, but I, I was actually referring to the other Leonard Snart. He's I very thought, much alive. Yeah, and, he, and I thought he would come back and... He is in a relationship with the Ray. Right. So they're off together on Earth-X. Yeah. So he's alive. Uh, okay. So, so maybe we'll we'll see him again. Yeah. Because he... Wow, he is, he is great in that role. Yeah, and it would be great if there was some kind of inversion that could t- switch him and turn him evil again and make him come back and be another prominent member of Flash's Rose Gallery. Because he was one of the original members of Flash's Rogues Gallery. Yeah, yeah. He's, another, for me, he's the best. Captain uh, Gold is the best of the rogues. Yeah, absolutely. And there's another bonus aside. Um, I would, I'm would. i surprised they haven't touched on or done or explored or discovered Murmur yet. Murmur was a, was a uh, an obscure villain from the rogues for Flash. It, wasn't a, it was a recent addition. Um, Scott Collins and Jeff Johns, I think it was, created That's right. So he's, he's drawn really skinny. He's got yeah. his, his very mouth Tim, Very Tim Burton looking. And he would be so good to see in the Flash show. I really, really hope they do murmur at some point. But I think, up in Iron I think if they do, though, it would be an episode. Just like they did this season of The Flash with Ragdoll. Yeah, it'd be a standalone. It was great and novel. So maybe we will. Ragdoll was Tim. Cool. Oh, wow. They way, the way they had that... Oh, that was it, creepy. It was perform. I think he was on uh, America's Got Talent. He yeah. was on one of those shows. He was creepy as. And he was doing all that. Wow, it was disturbing. It and... really was. That was such a good episode. And it was a great lead-in through this, through this um, three-parter. This and crossover. to have a character like Ragdoll, like I primarily read him as part of the Secret Six series. Mm. And he was really good in that. Nicholas Scott drew that. I've got that. But yes, uh, I would like to see Murmur make a, uh, an entrance into 
the CW verse. So I'm sure we could just keep going on and oh, on yeah. and on, and we'll yeah. start falling down rabbit holes, tangents. Yeah. Well, that's it for our episode all about Elseworlds. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. On our next episode, Gareth and Adam will be talking about Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a show that I've started, I am enjoying, but I'm not caught up yet. Have you checked it out? Yeah, my girlfriend really loves it, and uh, I have tried to get into it. I probably need to get into it more doesn't help that her TV is really quiet and I'm pretty deaf so I don't really get much what's going on speech wise and then I'd lo- I lose interest whereas if I watched it here I could turn the sound up a bit more and with my stereo and probably understand it more but I will make inroads to getting into it it does look pretty cool so I do want to I do want to explore it more if you missed it check out what Jay and I thought about Star Wars Rebels we covered all four seasons also, that film stew have a recent review for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, an upcoming review for Bumblebee, and of course Aquaman. We will be talking Aquaman on the show. Rewind and review celebrate the 40th anniversary of Superman the movie in their latest episode. And I joined Jason and Rob as a guest on that show. So they waited 22 episodes and they invited me on the show. I had a lot of fun re-watching and talking about Superman. Awesome. Nathan, thank you for being on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always a pleasure, never a chore. And we'll get together off air and we'll work out what our next show will be for the new year. Hopefully it's something crisis related. Well, yeah, we will do that in a year, but let's um, we'll do something <laughs> well, before again then. before then. Obviously, yeah. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.